Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. The Oregon Ducks have an SI cover, but where are they ranked in the preseason and does it matter? Coulter says no. Preview. And also, we get into a little bit of NFL football, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and our ESPN roundtable. It is a Thursday edition of Tutel and Nuanas. Great to be with you on 1029 ESPN Radio and around the state on SWX Montana Television. We are broadcasting live from Paradise Falls today, down here at Paradise Falls. Come on by, say hello. The Hefeweizen tab is open. You can come on down here, get yourself a Widmer Hefeweizen, hang out with the uh, Missoula Bruins as well, the hockey club is here in force so you can come hang out here and yes you can uh, put your name in the box which is right here at our table uh, for tickets to the Grizz Oregon Duck football game and other pair of tickets to be given away today we are broadcasting live through the Kurtz Polaris studios Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway and Missoula Highway 83 and Sealy and online at KurtzPolaris.com find us on the World Wide Web 1029ESPN.com there you can listen to the stream the stream is available all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. And if you'd like to call, we could still take your phone calls even though we're not in the studio. It's the magic of electricity. 329-1899, the phone number, area code 406-329-1899. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Coulter, let's take a look at what we got today. We're going to talk some college football here off the top. We're going to look at 
Texas, the number 10 team in the nation, and use them as the barometer for relevancy in FBS football. We'll go through some of that stuff and talk about Oregon, the team that is playing Montana, who lets tickets we are giving away today here at Paradise Falls. So we'll go through a few things with that. We will also get into some sound from Bobby Houck. Bobby Houck was uh, out at Grizz practice, which did not take place. If you were in Western Montana, you don't need me to tell you why. It was booming and flashing and raining and every other thing uh, this afternoon, right, as uh, practice was about to go off. But fortunately, the most important thing got done, which was the media portion of practice got taken care of so we'll have some sound for you from that and uh, we will get into we've been uh, highlighting a new nfl team each day today uh one of the stalwarts in the national football league the pittsburgh steelers we're going to talk about the pittsburgh steelers i know a bunch of steeler fans around town so we will uh, do some pittsburgh steeler talk here in uh, just a little bit about 45 minutes top of the hour our espn roundtable how how apropos that we are at Paradise Falls for the ESPN Roundtable on a Thursday. I mean, does it get more uh, uh, perfect than that, Coulter? It's perfect. I mean, the ESPN Roundtable has been sponsored by Paradise Falls since we brought since it to the, the table. I mean, yes. They're the inaugural and flagship sponsor of it. And uh, it's my favorite thing that we do. I love it. And uh, this is actually all you this week because we were a little, we were scrambling a little bit. We, uh, we kind of started at the top. We wanted to get the godfather of them all, Scott Match. In my opinion, the best sports writer in Montana in the last 30 years. He retired at the Great Falls Tribune. And uh, I called Scotty up. I said, hey, we'd love to have you on the ESPN Roundtable. He said, hey, man. He said, I, I am so honored. I would love to do it. But I am walking in to the Brewers-Twins game right now, and I am out of commission. <laughs> she said, call me next week. I said, well, that's exactly what you should be, my friend. Absolutely. After a uh, well 33-year career well spent. But it'll be fun to, to share the uh, ESPN Roundtable. I listened to it yesterday while I was producing it. Um, and it was good. You know, Riley Corcoran gives a lot of background in his Radio Tell career. him who it is, Coulter. Riley Corcoran, voice of the there Grizzlies. He says uh, he, he gives a lot of background in his radio career and what it means to him. And, uh, you know, I mean, Riley's a friend of ours, of sure. course, but yep. he's also a guy we have a lot of respect for because he, he prepares better than anybody. He's more organized than anybody. And uh, he's doing a heck of a job for the Grizzlies, not only just calling the games, but he does all sorts of multimedia. He's a great interviewer. And it's a, it was a fun conversation that you and him had at Grizz practice the other day. Yeah, well, it's it's nice to be able to, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, in, in media, just like probably in any, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, profession, but you can have, you know, professional rivalry and in some cases just uh, flat, you know, dislike for other yeah, people and so forth and so on. So it's nice to work in a community where just, I mean, almost across the board, uh, everybody seems to get along. And certainly Riley, uh, like you said, a friend of ours, and we're happy to have him as the subject of our ESPN roundtable. And and I think somebody who's interesting for for twofold reason. If you're a Montana fan and, you know, you're interested in, in the Grizz football and basketball, obviously Riley has a front row seat uh, and, and takes you to that, not just to the games, but to all aspects of it, to travel and the interviews and all of that stuff. But also, uh, there's a lot of people who are interested in you know what it's like to be a sports broadcaster to 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 have that be your job calling games and so forth and so on and i think he shed some light on that so it's it's uh, uh very good and worth sticking around also in the next hour we'll talk about montana state and the university of montana from a recruiting standpoint a couple new recruits in fact i think six new recruits from montana state since last we spoke yeah and uh, for uh the university of montana as well so we'll uh, go through some of that in the next hour too how you doing there, bud? You feeling good? Feeling good. You know, we forgot maybe the most important thing of this whole thing. Did we say this? The Whitmer tab is open. Did we say the this? The Whitmer okay, Brothers Brewing down. tab is open. Have yourself have a free Whitmer, Whitmer Brothers. Hey, okay. Yep. Down here at uh, Paradise Falls yep. and hang out with yep. us. So, uh, Coulter and I were talking earlier today. Okay, well, we, you know, what do we want to do? We set the show up because, you know, other than Riley, nobody prepares more than we do. Uh, right. 
for all the things. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we were we were discussing. By the way, well, no, I'll, I'll save it. But uh, you were talking about okay. So we were talking about the cover of Sports Illustrated and the fact that Justin Herbert is on the cover. Now, Sports Illustrated does this very smart of them. Regional covers sometimes. Sometimes you'll have a national one where it's just one, mm-hmm. but a lot of times mostly national national you, still. Usually, yeah. But a lot yeah. of these preview issues: NFL, NBA. College football. They'll, they'll show a, a guy or a team that's going to, you know, he's send to the nor- northwest of the northwest, south of the south, northeast of the northeast, etc. So there are four different covers. It's all the quarterbacks. It's the big quarterbacks of college football is kind of the uh, issue. Justin Herbert of Oregon is the uh, is the cover uh, for kind of the northwest area, and really the west in general. The others are uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence from uh, Clemson. No surprise there that he would be on the thing. Jake Fromm at Georgia. Yeah. And then also Sam Ellinger. And you said to me, who? (laughs) I said, yeah, Sam. Now, let's be honest. He is not the most. He is fourth out of these four. There's no question about it. Certainly. I'm not even sure I'm saying his name right. It might be Ellinger. It's Ellinger. Okay. But anyway, the Texas quarterback. I knew exactly who it was as soon as you told me. But But I I, I guess. So this is the entry point to the conversation. I, I, I said, who? You said the Texas quarterback. I said, who cares about Texas football? That's right. And it was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment in the fact that Texas football, more than maybe any other college team, is, is they are so maddening to me because we talk about all the time how the Grizz have no excuse to ever. Coulter, some people like the Clark Fork, some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls. I love Rainbow's End. I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, San Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call. 866-541-5000 or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL, drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. It would be anything but a playoff team, anything but a contender for the Big Sky Conference Championship. Texas is that times 100. I mean, Texas has more rich tradition and more funding and resources than anybody. Anybody. The first domino in this conference realignment slash the rise of the Power Five conferences because of the TV money was when Texas started their own television network. The Longhorn Network existed before the Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network. Everybody got together to conglomerate on a league level so that Texas wouldn't push the envelope all the way into the stratosphere. So the fact that they have what they have the prestige, the brand name, the, the, you know, the way that they can market themselves, how often they've been good throughout, I mean, the history of college football. The fact that they haven't been good in the last 10 years, it's actually crazy. Yeah, I mean, and certainly, you know, you have Mac Brown who got 
a, a long leash because of who he is and what he accomplished there. But then towards the end, and a lot of people thought even still he should not have been, you know, shown the door and kind of ushered out the way he was. And then they go through a couple of different coaches, and it really doesn't work now. They look like they're back up on the upswing here with Tom Herman. But your comment here, and this is the thing that I want to key in, and it was the throwaway comment. You said, what are they going to do? Go 10-2 and two and win the Cotton Bowl again? Who right. cares? They're right. irrelevant. And they're and when you say they're irrelevant, you are taking you are saying they're irrelevant in respect to what you think they should be and what certainly Texas fans think they should be, which is in the Final Four, in the national championship conversation every single year, or you know, right. in, in in that in that mold. And they're they're getting close to that. Okay, right. but the, the guess I guess what I'm saying though is that when I'm look, I'm looking at the top twenty five that you put on the outline yeah. right here, and I also got my Sports Illustrated with their top twenty five on here too. This top 25, the AP top 25 has Texas at 10. Sports Illustrated has Texas at 5. But either way, no matter which way you slice it, to me, I truly think that there's only five teams that have a chance to win the national championship this year, and I think there's only six teams that have a chance to even make it to the playoff. Period. It's Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and LSU. I don't think that anybody outside the top six, I think that the preseason top six is exactly how it will be. Well, that's, I can't see Texas or Oregon or Penn State or Washington or Texas A&M or Utah. I can't see any of those teams sneaking in. That's objectively wrong in the, for this reason, if none other. Texas and LSU play each other week two. Week okay. two, night game, ABC in Austin. Okay. Texas hosts LSU. Neither one's going to the playoffs. If Texas wins the game, they're in the. They're going to be in the top four. But then they're going to lose to Oklahoma, so it'll just be the exact same playoff as it was a year ago. How many teams have actually even made the playoff since we started the playoff? Total right. seven. How many? How many years has it been going? Four. Four. Yeah, I think eight or nine. I mean, has there been any outlier team? Oregon made it once. Washington made it once. Those are the only outlier teams. It's been Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio well, State. I mean, it's a little or bit, Oklahoma. It's Those a little five. bit of a stuffed ballot because it has been Clemson and Alabama every single year. Totally, but so, it's also I mean, been Oklahoma only, multiple years. It's, it's been Ohio been, State multiple years, and now it's been Georgia for multiple years. But, but the preseason top five is exactly the same teams that have been in contention for the playoffs for the last three years. The only teams that are in contention for the playoffs. No, they're not the only teams in the contention. They're not. They just aren't. I mean, it's, it's just it's just wrong. Okay, but no one's going to beat those teams. That's how stacked they are. You don't know that. The last three years has shown me, though, it's more likely than not that no one's going to beat those teams. More likely than not and, not and no chance are vastly different. Totally. I just find it incredibly frustrating that when you look at this list, the schools that spend the most money are the schools that are in the, that are in the playoff hunt. The only two real outliers are Texas and Penn State. And Florida. Florida's, I mean, Florida's, Florida's right got there. a lot of money, and they sure. haven't been in. So, look, all Notre Dame was in there. They, right. You know, whether or not they should have been or whatever is an open conversation. The point is, the reason that there's not that many teams going to the playoffs is because there's not that many teams going to the playoffs. There's right. only four, and half of them are spoken for. Totally. You're right, in Clemson and Bama. Totally. I guess my mind is just skewed by the fact that we cover a level of football where 24 teams make the playoffs. Right. There is a real possibility that you're the 24th out of 24 seed and you can straight get hot and win the national championship. Ask the Richmond Spiders in 2008. They were a 7-4 and four team. They got red hot and they won two road games and then beat the number one team in the country, undefeated Montana, soundly in the 2008 championship because that can happen when you have a real playoff. Like I'm looking at Washington State. I would love to think that was a great story. Gage Gubrud coming in as a grad transfer, taking over for Gardner Minshew. Can they capitalize on the momentum they had from last year? But what is the momentum from last year? They lose the Apple Cup 
and then they're just in the Alamo Bowl. I don't care about the Alamo Bowl. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I just don't care. If you're not winning the ultimate prize, I don't care about the other prizes. But first of all, there hasn't been an ultimate prize in college football ever until about four years ago. And if you want to talk about the BCS or whatever, I mean, that's fine. But this is not a sport that has had an ultimate prize, which has been one of the great knocks against it. And if you want to knock it for that, then go ahead because you know I'm on board with you on this. But then saying, well, because, you know, you're not playing for a national championship, therefore you don't matter, isn't, I don't agree with that. Let's take the University of Utah. Okay. Kyle Whittingham's done a great job. Utah plays at BYU like week two. Early schedule for the goalie war, huh? Yeah, talk about Let's go. Wow, that's an amazing game. <laughs> yeah. um, the, Kyle Whittingham, Utah. <laughs> that was, the that's 20... such a, this is such a tangent, but there was, uh, there was a Utah player that was doing an interview. I can't remember who it was, but he was on national radio. It was at the, the, oh, the Pac-12 Pac media days. Media days. And, yeah. and they asked him, they said, what's it like playing at BYU? He said, it is a bizarre experience to get booed by 75,000 sober people. <laughs> That's exactly right. That such a good line. Um, but, uh, no, but, but Utah, take, 15th in the nation preseason. 15th in the nation preseason. They fly around on defense. They got a great system. They got a great culture. They have built it in the modern-day style. I mean, they are, they're running the, the sort of odd man front, get as many athletes on the field, play like Buck linebackers and Sam linebackers and these guys all over the place, Rovers. They're doing that better than anybody. They're doing that better than anybody in the country. There's no scenario you can tell me that Utah's going to make it to the playoffs or win the national championship. And I think that they could be great. They could have one of their best seasons in program history. They could be a 10-2 and team that could play in the Pac-12 championship game. They're not going to be in the playoffs. And you're, that's, you're 100% right. And that, and that is what bothers me about this level of football is that I would love if Utah could get into a 16-team playoff and see how they could play their way in. But, but then what's flawed? It's the playoff system. Right, but it's not that Utah is irrelevant. I know, but it just makes the games seem less relevant to me. And and I can appreciate that because none of these teams are, quote, your team. And so when you're talking about this, like, what do I care when Utah plays Arizona State week eight and they're already a one-loss team and they got no chance right. of being in the national conversation? You, It loses luster for that reason. Where, exactly, and where's the line? Like, when you're looking at this top 25, Where's the actual line as far as if things, like you said, I don't know yeah. that the top four are going to be in the, in the playoff. I just think that those teams are significantly better than almost everybody else. Part of to, it, me, to me, my line is LSU. I think that LSU-Ohio State could be two teams that could play their way into the top four. Okay. And maybe Texas because of that LSU-Texas game. 100% Texas can because they play LSU and o- right. Oklahoma and because they're Texas. So where, but where's your, where's your line? Because if you agree with the statement I just said, so then your line's at least at Utah. Where's your line, though? Does Oregon have a chance? Does Washington have no, a chance? I, I mean, I think the Pac-12 is kind of outside looking okay, in so then, unless somebody runs the table. So Oregon and Washington don't have a chance. Texas A&M, probably no, not. No. Right. Right. So then you're talking about Texas. So your line's at Texas. So th- so you got ten teams playing for a four-person sp- tournament. I mean, that's that's a lot of teams. I don't think I would put. I mean, it maybe is a lot Florida, of teams, but I it's probably wouldn't put Florida in there. I don't know if I'd even put Notre Dame in there. But you could so say, there you go. You so could you say, got eight teams playing for a four-team playoff. Okay, but that's fine. But that's the issue with the playoff. It's not the issue with with these teams or even with the games that are going on. I mean, you were interested in FBS college football, or maybe you weren't. I don't know. Before the playoff existed, right? I mean, it was interesting. You'd still watch it. There were still these big games. It's the it's the pageantry. It's the teams. You know, all of these fans. You know, 
covered in red or orange or whatever the heck it is going out there and drinking whatever juice they got that's on the you know the, the whole thing and running their mascot out there that's what college football is about and the fact that the system is flawed isn't an indictment on Iowa. It's not an indictment on Syracuse. And by the way, nobody's supposed to love all of these teams. I get it, but so so when when Wisconsin is playing Iowa, I don't know if they play this year because yeah. the Big Ten has an unbalanced schedule. But let's say, for example, when Wisconsin I think they do because they're on the same okay. On the same side. So Wisconsin plays Iowa. Yeah, eighteen versus nineteen, a top twenty matchup. Yeah, two storied programs, great lineages, great tradition, everything. That game means nothing. No, but it doesn't mean nothing. I mean, it just doesn't. It can't be. It can't be. You are playing with a chance to go to the four-team playoff, or you, or it's zero. That's. Well, I just don't think the playing in the Capital One Bowl is that cool. You think that because Michigan, you think that when Iowa and Wisconsin are playing, that there's not something on the line like a New Year's Six Bowl, which is like a fourteen million dollar payday to the institution that just for being in it. Right. I mean, that's but, significant. But that, okay, so but we talk about the, the NBA all the time. Who remembers the teams that lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals? Who remembers no the one. teams that lose in the finals? Exactly. So why do I care about anybody that loses at any bowl game besides the national championship? If you want to just be a front runner and just take one team and go, yep, give me Alabama and Clemson. Those are the only teams that I'm watching all season long because I only care about the well, teams don't, that are but the don't best. You find that's it, fine. Don't you find it boring? I don't really start paying attention to baseball now in my old age until September because I think the rest of it's just sort of irrelevant. No, I find And it, I've gotten to the point with FBS college football that I don't care until it's championship weekend. Caring can take a myriad of, 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 of forms, right? There's just no drama, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. The drama the, is the game. The I, game I know, itself. I know, but like... Who is going to play their way out of the SEC so the SEC championship game is not Bama-Georgia? Let me ask you this. Have you ever watched a game between two teams that, quote, didn't matter, that you ended up getting enthralled in because of what was... How about Texas A&M-LSU last year? Seven overtimes going until whatever the wee hours were on some back channel on, like, the Pac-12 or SEC network or whatever it was till 2 in the morning because they're both already out. They both lost multiple games. And it was, it was the greatest game. It was the big game of the year. Right, so you never know when a game is going to unfold in that respect. The other but thing I, is, I've, I've just reached the point where, what is the ultimate meaning of this game? Playing it, right? But like that LSU Texas A&M game that went seven overtimes, yeah, had all these stats, all these touchdowns, all these other things. It didn't actually mean anything. Well, sure it did. Who I don't, I don't even remember who won. Doesn't matter. But what matters to them is one of those teams ended up in a better bowl than the other team. It's probably the team that won that game, ended up with more money and all of that. But the other thing is, let me give you another example. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech have a chance at going to the national championship? No. Absolutely not. Nope. What's better than watching Virginia Tech play at home? Nothing. Metallica starts playing. They enter the stadium, enter Sam. Everybody's jumping up and down. The lunch pails are rattling around. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's unbelievable. And so, okay, well, because they're going to be a four-loss team, now I can't sit here and care about Virginia Tech and be interested in 90,000 insane Hokie fans out there in the middle of Virginia? I mean, I, I, I guess I've just, uh, I've just become so cynical that I just don't care about any of it. Okay. Well, then this is on you, then. It is on me, 100%. Okay. I'm trying to get therapy here. I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to have you tell me why I don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I can't help you. I don't understand how you could how you could have cared ever before if here's, you don't here's care the thing. now. Here's the thing. 
I'm the only person on planet Earth, I think, that thought that the original pre-BCS, pre-playoff was the right way to go. Because then everything matters. Because if you win the Big Ten or you win the Pac-12, you play in the Rose Bowl, period. So, therefore, you can stub your toe. Every Big Ten game then actually does matter because you're playing for the ultimate prize of going to the Rose Bowl. You're playing for the, in the Pac-12, you're playing for the ultimate prize of going to the Rose Bowl. And then if you beat a quality team from the other league in the Rose Bowl, you have a chance to be voted as the national champion. It makes all the games way more relevant to me. That, that You're lost. You're lost. You are just a lost cause. I mean, how? The Pac-12. The, the, the Rose Bowl is still the exact same game with the exception that it rotates now through every third year as one of the two, you know, playoff games or whatever. But it's still the winner of the Pac-12 against the winner of the Big Ten unless one of those teams or two ends up being in the national championship. But it's the best of those two leagues. You're still playing for that very same game. You just no longer have a chance unless it's part of the playoff to be a national champion. But what's better than being voted the, I mean, being voted the national champion when there's two undefeated teams, what's that? Okay, but I guess here's my point. We've put way too much stock in winning bowl games that are, like the Cotton Bowl is a pretty prestigious bowl, right? Sure. Right. It, it, it's, it's not a New Year's Six, but it's better than all the other bowls, basically, right? Yeah, is it not? It, a New it, it might six? actually be a New Year's Six. I'm trying to remember because it's, can we name them? Let's do it. Fiesta Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar, Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl, Peach Bowl, Gator Bowl. No, I think the Citrus Bowl. Maybe. Citrus Bowl. And I well, think do we the say the Fiesta? Bowl. Do we say the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah. What about the Rose Bowl? We didn't say the Rose Bowl. Try it again. Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Orange Bowl. Yeah. Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Those are the four BCS bowls. Orange, Rose, Sugar. Yeah. Fiesta. Fiesta. Or the four BCS bowls. Okay. Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. And Citrus Bowl. Citrus Bowl. Or the Peach there, Bowl. No, there's... Oh, yeah, maybe it's the Peach Bowl. I think See? it's the Peach Bowl. See? But this is what I'm talking about. But, but Who cares there, if you win the Peach Bowl? There's four of them. There's six of them. Okay, there's that's what I'm them. saying, though. So if you're playing in the Peach Bowl, so you're playing in... That's not even in the college football playoff or in the New York Six. So you're playing in the ninth best bowl game. Why do I care? You're winning a game to be ranked number 11 in the country in the final poll? Great. But, Coulter, you, that's the point. You don't need to care about that. But if it was Penn State playing in the Peach Bowl or in some non-New you would be interested in it. I, w- I will not watch Penn State in a bowl game unless they're playing in the Rose Bowl. Oh. I, I don't ever remember watching Penn State in bowl games besides maybe the, the Capital One Bowl, which used to be yeah. the number two which Big they Ten played, Bowl, they, they played, or the Rose Bowl. Didn't they? Michigan played Florida in that thing last, last year. That was crazy. Let's go back to Texas just quickly. It's 2 Tell New One is 1029 ESPN Radio. By the way, we're at Paradise Falls. You can come down, hang up, hang out, join the conversation. Come see us. The, the sun's breaking through. You can sit on the deck. Look at this. And place. you can this put your name nice in the box to win yourself a pair of tickets to the Grizzly Oregon Duck football game. The Texas Longhorns. You ready? Here we go. Here's the schedule. Tell me wins and losses okay. at Louisiana Tech. Win. At home versus LSU. Great Lo- game. Loss. Now, but tell me this. Is that not an unbelievable game? It is. Under the lights in Austin, week two against LSU. Yep. It'll be Tuesday by the time I know what the score was. That, the loser of that game 
probably out of the national, quote-unquote, national championship playoff hunt. You tell me that's an ir- it's not irrelevant. It's great. I'm into it. Okay. At Rice. Win. At o- uh, versus Oklahoma State. Win. At West Virginia. Win. Versus, at home now, Red River Shootout, Oklahoma. Loss. Versus Kansas. Win. At TCU. Loss. Let me just check my rankings just quickly. Unranked TCU. Okay. Loss. Versus Kansas State. Win. Craig Bull? No, no, no. Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman. Yes, there we go. At number 24, Iowa State. Win. At Baylor. Win. Versus Texas Tech. Win. Nine and three. Cotton Bowl. That's right. They might go 10 and two. Holy cow. Might get into the Peach Bowl. It's going to be a great year. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, uh. let's, talk, let's talk briefly here to finish out this first segment about Sports Illustrated and the cover and the uh, uh, having uh, uh, Justin Herbert as one quarter of the regional Sports Illustrated cover. You got it here right in your hot little hand. But you're looking at this and you're thinking about Montana going there to play Oregon and the path of Justin Herbert to Oregon and to the cover of Sports Illustrated and all that. And just what strikes you? Like, what do you – you said we got to talk about this. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, I think that there's an underlying story here that maybe is lost on some Grizz fans. There's way more of a a deep connection in this specific matchup with Oregon to Montana because of one thing. Justin Herbert's dad, Mark, ran track at Montana. He's a Grizz. Mm. Justin Herbert's oldest brother, Mitchell, went to Montana State, which was a point of contention in their family for a moment in time. But then Mark became a uh, reluctant Bobcat fan. Uh, I, I interviewed Mark on Cat Grizz two, two different times just to, just to you know, kind of be like, hey, what's this yeah, like? You know, yeah. you got your son who's a captain and a four-year starter, and you're playing against your alma mater. What's it like? Well, I think it's interesting that Justin Herbert, I mean, he's getting a – in his senior year, as a guy who's being touted as a potential top 10 pick and maybe even the number one overall pick, he is going to get a chance to play against his dad's alma mater. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But then you also look at the path Justin Herbert had. Justin Herbert now, he has shown such great accuracy. He has so many snaps under his belt because he got thrown, he got thrust into action so early on. And, you know, he's this big, strong guy who looks the part. But people forget that Justin Herbert did not have an FBS offer until a month before signing day. Justin Herbert was going to go to Montana State. He was going to go play with his brother. Mm. And who knows what happens. I mean, talk about all the dominoes that can fall. Who knows what happens at Montana State. Rob Ash might be the coach at Montana State. So how good would Justin Herbert be right now in the FCS? I mean, he would be pretty dang good. Pretty, yeah. Especially in Tim Cramsey's offense, if that was, you know, if Rob Ash was still around. Who knows? But then Oregon comes in late. They offer him, you know, because – they're from he goes to Sheldon High School, which is in Eugene. So they're from Eugene. So they get the local kid, and he's blossomed in the rest of his history. But I do think that there's some ties to the state of Montana that are pretty cool, and uh, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup because I think that you know, most of the time when the the guy who's on the cover of Sports Illustrated is playing at an F, FCS school, I don't think that matters a lick to him. But I think this is going to matter a little bit to Justin Herbert, and uh, you know, stay tuned. We'll effort. Well, effort. We'll try to get Justin Herbert on the show because okay. I think uh, I think it'd be good because he does have some Montana ties. It's two tell Nuanas, one two nine ESPN Radio. It's a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Montana head coach Bobby Houck, and we will pull tickets. We'll pull a name out for tickets to go to the Grizzly Oregon Duck football game on September fourteenth. 
We're down here at Paradise Falls. you still got time. If you're driving around over on the south end of town near the intersection of uh, Brooks and Reserve, stop in, say hi, grab some swag, put your name in the box. See, maybe you might be the winner to get tickets to the uh, Grizzly Duck football game on September 14th. Quick break. Back with Bobby Howe right after this. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Now, uh, is this the Steve Miller man? He stands like a statue. Now, you told me yesterday you're the tunes guy. Uh, this is not the Steve Miller okay. band. Okay. Sounds somewhat like the Steve Miller band. They're playing out there at the Big Sky uh, Amphitheater here in a minute. I, uh, I would say 87% of our listeners know who this is and are just uh, berating me in their cars right now. That's fine. I can take it. Uh, it is 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live from the through the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, and online at KurtzPolaris.com. We are at Paradise Falls. We're going to pull some tickets here for uh, a winner to go to the Oregon Duck Grizzly football game. and pull us, uh, that name out here in about four Eh, seven, eight minutes. So if you want to come down, stick your name in the hat, feel free to do it. We'll be happy to uh, have you entered and, uh, and see if we can get you uh, some sweet tickets to a, a Pac-12 game, a night game under the lights in Autzen Stadium. Uh, Coulter, we uh, we mentioned in the newscast there that the uh, practice the Grizz had today was canceled due to lightning. It came through. It's been booming around here, man. The weekend weather that came through, and now, you know, not much lightning and thunder usually in uh, across western Montana, but we're getting it a little bit right now. So practice was canceled, uh, but you did get a chance to go down there and talk to Bobby Houck. So let's play this uh, sound for you from uh, from Coach Houck. Just a couple of minutes, a couple of questions and answers, and then uh, we will uh, react to that and talk about where Montana is at. Here you go, head coach from this afternoon of the University of Montana football team, Bobby Houck. What do you think of just the stats of the team so far? Uh, what have you liked? What, have, what do you think you guys need to improve on? Well, you know, you're asking football coach this time of year. we got to improve on everything. But uh, I, I like uh, I like where we are. We're, we're progressing uh, probably in the, on the right curve in, in terms of getting ready for the opener. And, you know, missing time doesn't help, but we won't miss any today, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I, I like where we are. Such a huge part of this year's position battles. Is there a specific evaluation point you guys use for position battles? Do you have production charts from each day in practice, or how do you get a feel for who's winning at a certain spot, especially uh, guys on defense? I mean, we <laughs> we pour over the film. You know, every play in practice is filmed, and we pour over that at night and in the mornings as a staff, and the depth changes daily, and, uh, you know, we'll figure it out when it's time. I don't think you force anything, and 
sometimes that gets to be where guys are splitting time in the opener or the first month. And I don't have any problem with that. We like playing into the depth, so that's not a big issue for us. On that line, on the running back spot, I know you said that's a wide open position. Is it wide open meaning you don't know which one of six is going to be that spot, or is it between a couple guys now? Uh, I think the older guys are probably ahead, but uh, you know Nick Osmo's pushing there, so we'll see. Those guys again, they'll they'll get to play live some on Saturday, so that'll be an indicator on the on the young guys. At least we kind of know what the older guys we've seen them play a lot. When you say older guys, does that include both Marcus and Garrett Graves just because they're they're not freshmen? Uh, I wouldn't include Garrett in that just yet, but, but Marcus and Adam Eastwood are probably the two most veteran guys yet. I want to ask you about Mitch Roberts. Seems like he's a guy that's really gravitated towards everything you want this program to be about. Uh, a Missoula guy, that's always a nice thing, but what have you thought of just his progress he's made over the last year or so? Yeah, Mitch Mitch had a had a big offseason, big spring ball, so he's, he's making a move and gets a deep group, so... It's it's real competitive for for plays and, and playing time and Mitch is making a strong push there. Sure. So there you go, Bobby Hout from earlier this afternoon uh, before the lightning struck. You could hear it kind of coming in, rumbling through on its way in. But uh, Bobby Hout uh, talking about a, a couple of different things. I thought he was fairly forthcoming about the running backs there, Coulter, saying, you know, yeah, actually Garrett Graves probably really isn't in that uh, group quite yet. But Marcus Knight and, and, you know, obviously Adam Eastwood, who's a returner with, you know, the most experience in terms of uh, playing for the Grizzlies on this team. But uh, is that is that just kind of... A little bit of, I don't know, gamesmanship isn't really the right word, but 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 trying to, you know, kind of light the fire a little bit, or do you think that's real from Bobby Howe? Well, did, so, did some of that get cut off? Too? Yeah, I, you, I, you yeah we edited okay. it a little bit. Okay, because so, if you know anything about Coach Alk, so the number one thing that, that for, at least someone from my seat, as a, as a sports writer, uh, you know, quote-unquote analyst, I wanted to, uh, the most fascinating part to me is, is about fall camp is position battles. Who's going to win the position battles? Nobody's winning anything during fall camp except for position battles. And in this day and age of college football, people rotate a ton. So being a starter doesn't have the same gravitas that it maybe it used to, especially on defense. But I want to know who's going to be in the mix, you know, especially a position like running back. Who's going to be your top three guys? Because those are going to be the guys that get most of the carries. For sure. Who's going to be your top two, sometimes three guys, depending on the positions on defense. But if you know anything about Coach Houck, he loves competition. He loves position battles. But he hardly ever tips his hand at who is winning a position battle or how someone wins a position battle. Today, I asked him about a variety of guys and a variety of position battles, and he was talking about all of them. And I don't, I don't know what, maybe he was just in a different mood. Maybe the lightning had him you know, a little bit scared. I don't know. But he was, <laughs> he was talking a lot more openly than normally he does. I thought it was interesting. You know, I asked him about Drew Turner from Calisburg Glacier. He said he's definitely going to be in the mix. He's just got to figure out where he's going was his direct uh, quote. Talked about Mitch Roberts. I think that the competition there with Mitch Roberts is a very interesting one because the wide receivers group was so stacked given what Bob Stitt prioritized in recruiting. So when Bobby Houck takes over, you have, I mean, they switched seven of the wide receivers to different positions because they thought they were in such good shape. And that's including guys that have a lot of talent like Jed Nagler. Like right. Justin Cal- I mean, Justin Calhoun caught 10 touchdowns in two years. Yes. And he could switch the defense. That's how much talent they thought they had at receiver. But the, the most, so often, the, the, people ask, why are Montana kids important in a program? And I think it's, 
you know, the, the cliches of this kid dreamed of being a Grizzly his whole life. This kid dreamed of growing up to play in the Cat Grizz game. This is the biggest show in the world to him. That's all true stuff. But there's also a really, really motivating factor for the dynamic of your team when you have a full scholarship, you know, absolutely top-rated recruit like Samari Torre, who's in your program, who plays right away, produces right away, has a tremendous sophomore year in Bob Stitt's offense, and then Bobby Hout comes in, and the whole culture changes. And Samari Torre was one of the receivers that had a, a harder time adjusting to it. He was used to just getting force-fed the ball, and, you know, it, it was no real – there's not really a, a question whether Samari Torre was going to get a ton of reps. He was just going to play. And then they said, well, no, no, you have to earn your reps here. We don't care. We don't know who you are. We don't care who you are. Earn your reps. And the, the coaching style of Brett Pease and Tim Rosenbaugh, I mean, they're hard on those guys. And Torre, he didn't hit the ground running. Keenan Curran went through a similar thing. Keenan Curran was a guy that, he, even though he's a team captain, he wasn't technically in the starting lineup at the beginning of last year. He had to fight his way back in, and by the end of the year he did. But those guys were mo- not getting nearly the amount of balls that they were in Bob Stitt's offense, both because of just the – the dynamic of the offense, but also just because of the, the playing time earned. But when you have a guy like Mitch Roberts who comes in and he buys into the program unabashedly and he loves the coaching style that he's seeing from Coach Houck and he's reacting well to it, and you know he's a half-scholarship guy who played quarterback in high school who's a developmental guy. And when he comes in and he buys in fully and he goes to work, and then all of a sudden he starts to blossom athletically, and now you got this kid from small town Montana who's playing over Samari Torre, who's stealing reps from Sammy Akem in, in, in practice. Well, now these guys are like, well, who's this guy? But also, I'm Sammy Akem. I'm Samari Torre. I got to beat out, you know, the redshirt freshman quarterback from Missoula. Like, we, we have to beat out this guy. So it just festers this internal competition. I think it's so good for the team. Uh, but the other guys I asked Coach Alk about, I asked him about uh, Cole Grossman which I thought was an, an interesting analysis. You know, Grossman's a guy who was recruited as a, a receiver, and now he's playing outside linebacker slash rush end. And, uh, you know, he said he had a lot of glowing things to say about Cole's athleticism, but said kind of a similar sentiment about um, just kind of trying to figure things out. But the one guy he has not named by name yet this camp, who he named right there in that interview, was Nick Osmo. And Nick Osmo is a kid out of Portland who, big, bruising running back. But, you know, when you go down to fall camp, it's almost like studying for a test, right? You got, I mean, this Chris team has 38 new players. They also have a variety of guys with new numbers. You know, first, I guess it was the third day of practice when I was down there, I was watching the receivers do drills. And Corbin Walker, who's playing corner, wears number eight. And he was a guy who I really wanted to get my eyes on because he was probably their most heralded out-of-state recruit, a kid from the Seattle area who was the, he was the King County League Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. That's a rare combo especially for an FCS recruit. Well, I see a guy wearing number eight playing receiver, and I thought, and I thought oh, wow. They're, they're going to play Corbin Walker on offense instead of defense. Okay, makes sense. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a tremendous offensive player. Then I realized, no, no, Samari Torrey switched numbers. When I was watching number eight for a while, I was like, man. I was like, this kid is so good for a true <laughs> freshman. Like, my God, this kid is good. No, it was actually Samari Torrey. But – you, 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 there's a lot of times when you see a guy and you're like, well, who is that? You know, it's, it's so hard when you have 108 guys you're trying to get your eyes on. But I'll tell you what, there's a couple guys that have made me look at my roster multiple times because I'm like, who is that guy? He's so he's so big he's so or, you know, he's so fast, whatever. Nick Osmo is one. I got my roster today again, and, and it's always with the dual number guys too because Gavin Crow wears number 20 as well. And I was like, damn, Gavin Crow's playing running back? No, no. Oh, it's Nick Osmo, but he's a kid that looks – 
the part all day. I mean, he is big, big, big. He's about 6'2", 230. I mean, he looks like a power back for sure. And how named him by name, you wonder if he's a guy that maybe can break into the lineup as a short yardage guy early on. He was a guy that was you know, an injury guy coming out of high school. I mean, he lost a lot of his offers because of a late injury. But a guy that Coach Houck talked glowingly about on signing day, and early returns is he's pretty darn good as well. Well, we'll look forward to it. It's uh, that's part of the one of the one of the most fun things to me about week one of the regular season is obviously the game. You finally got football, and you know for for Montana going to South Dakota, Montana State going to Texas Tech, but it's also finding out for real the answers to these very questions, right? Not just who are the starters, but what are the reps like? Who are the guys that they're bringing in? And obviously, game plan, you know, to game plan, it's going to vary week to week. It's not necessarily, you know, just, you know, what it is. But you start to find out sort of the pecking order, how, and, and, it, and it really gives you an answer into how camp, in fact, went when you finally get into the real games and you see uh, the reps that guys are getting and, uh, you know, whether they're starters, reps, backups, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it is to tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Coulter, uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to pull a name out of the box. That's what we're going to do and uh, send somebody over to uh, the uh, to Eugene to Austin Stadium to watch the Oregon Ducks and the Grizzlies play, and then we will also talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers right after this. It's to tell Nuanas live from Paradise Falls. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana. Through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to, and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. Maybe that's the Steve Miller band. I think I'm right on this. It is 2 Tell New Orleans, 129 ESPN Radio. It is This is definitely the Steve Miller Time to give away some Oregon Duck Montana Grizzly football tickets. We are broadcasting live from Paradise Falls this afternoon near the corner of Brooks and Reserve in the south end of town. We're going to be here another hour plus. Come by, stay high. Have yourself a Whitmer Hefeweizen. What are you laughing at me for? Because you're hilarious, dude. You're David Letterman. Appreciate that. Uh, we are broadcasting through the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. Highway 83 in Sealy. Online at KurtzPolaris.com. Okay. We've waited long enough. It's uh, the fifth week of this now. Uh, we've got four ticket winners. We're about to have a fifth. Let's bring our buddy Mike over here, Mike Nugent, to uh, pick a name out of this here box. We'll raise all right, it all right, up. All right, here. Okay, here yeah, Colton, you hold it. All right, Mike, this is this is very important stuff that you're doing here. This is going to be classic be if Mike a pulls his own name here. <laughs> 
I can I can attest to the honesty with which. That's not he, Mike. He, we, if you heard the okay. swearing in the background, you know that it, that it wasn't Mike. What's what's okay, the name? Okay, so on this that? is Michelle Arnold. Okay, she is from Butte, Montana. Wow. So if she is here, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give we'll, Michelle a call, and uh, if by chance she is in attendance here at Paradise Falls, or she can make her way down here before the end of the show. She's the winner, and if not, we might have to just draw one more well, time. We'll see. We'll see we how it goes. See. But uh, congratulations uh, to Michelle on that. Uh, you know, it's always nice. You got to throw a, 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 a butte person into the mix, Coulter. It can uh, really ignite the uh, the party, shall I say? On your <laughs> way over there to uh, to uh, Austin yeah, Stadium. Oh, no, no doubt. doubt about no it. No doubt. Uh, very good, uh, Coulter. We wanted. To, we've been highlighting teams uh, around the NFL. Uh, this week, and as we count down tonight, by the way, uh, kicking off here in uh, just about 10 minutes, week two of the NFL is this live? preseason. I don't think this is live. It's uh, fun- it might be live, actually. It's funny because there's a couple of these West Coast teams that that have like a substantial amount of FCS guys now. I mean, the Rams have five players from Eastern Washington right now. Right. I mean, who knows if Simba Webster is going to make the team, but Samson Ebucom and Cooper Cup and um, Aaron Neary, they are on the 53. They have been on the 53. And now Simba Webster and Kentner Cup, Cooper Cup's little brother, fighting for spots there uh, in Los Angeles. But, I mean, that's kind of fun to – I mean, five FC, just five guys from one school, let alone totally. FCS guys. And then, you know, San Francisco 49ers, they previously had Brock Cole from the Montana Grizzlies, but they also have Kendrick Bourne from Eastern Washington. They have Mike Person, who's a Glendive native from um, – from Montana State. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have they have multiple FC. I mean, J.P. Flynn has been in on and off with the 49ers as well for Montana State. So there's uh, definitely a uh, good FCS contingent among the NFC West teams. Yeah, so uh, games, by the way, about to kick off here. Philadelphia and Jacksonville. Uh, Buffalo. Oh, no, no, that's uh, tonight's uh, Philadelphia-Jacksonville. And then at 5.30, the Jets and Falcons, Cincinnati-Washington, Green Bay at Baltimore. And then at 6 o'clock, this is on ESPN television, Oakland and Arizona. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm, Watch the mm-hmm. uh, hard knocks Oakland Raiders and the first overall pick in Kyler Murray. I don't, I don't know if Kyler Murray's going to play. The trend has been a lot of guys sitting. He did get one series in the first game. We'll see if he uh, plays tonight. Bunch of games uh, tonight, tomorrow, and then Saturday. A couple on Sunday one on Monday, so all, all weekend long with the NFL preseason week two, but we wanted to highlight Coulter, one of uh, one of the teams that's got the biggest following nationally, certainly no uh, 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 diff, uh, uh, it's also true here in uh, the state of Montana, a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler fans sure. uh, around yeah. uh, around the state of Montana, around everywhere that you go, and so we thought we'd take a look on uh, this day at the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit, and Coulter, one thing that kind of goes over always goes overlooked and especially to much to your chagrin in this era of fantasy football mayhem are the lines yep but the offensive line of the pittsburgh steelers is absolutely unmissable it's one of the top five in football maybe better than even that when you got alejandro villanueva raymond foster mike pouncey as a center uh, uh david DeCastro and mike feller these is one of the all-time or one of the great units in the game you know today right now sure and that is it, maybe it shouldn't come as any surprise because all of a sudden Le'Ve- Le'Veon Bell no shows last year. Well, hello James Conner, and who just goes for you know what fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage between rushing and receiving, and I don't know how many touchdowns was an absolute you know yeah, stud last touchdowns, year. Yep. And James Conner, what a great story, right? From Unbelievable. Pitt, kid who had cancer, and, Unbelievable and story. just uh, uh, just truly amazing, and now he's out here, and he you know. 
he he made Le'Veon Bell expendable for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is <laughs> no small task. Now he's a guy. You know, we talked about Philip Lindsay when we talked about Denver yesterday. I have more belief in James Conner than oh, I do in sure. Philip Lindsay, but I, I still would like. I'm interested to see what he's going to do in, in in year two. Anytime a guy comes out of the blue and has a year like he had, you know, now all of a sudden, like we talked about, the game plan starts getting a little bit tougher. It gets a little more dialed to you. The good thing for him is he got some other we- – I mean, you talk about Juju Smith-Schuster, who's also, you know – a top-flight wide receiver, people expecting him to be this yep. season, as well as, you know, Vance McDonald will see, and James Washington, who Pittsburgh needs to emerge. Whether he will or not, I don't know, but in his second year, you know, a guy who's got a lot of talent. Uh, but but there are options other than James Conner in uh, Pittsburgh, to be sure. But I'm interested to see what he does. But it starts up front and obviously with number seven. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And, and, I mean, Roethlisberger's getting towards the back end of his career, certainly. But he can still slang it. And uh, first of all, I'll start with James Conner. If you watch James Conner play in college, James Conner was a first-round running back. James Conner just has a story as a late-round draft pick because I think a lot of teams were really hesitant to draft a guy who'd gone through the health issues. And then now, why were, we, why were you watching Pitt play football? Because they are for sure irrelevant. Well, the, I, I watched Pitt-Penn State all day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plus, I mean, you give me that, give me that story. I mean, tell me this oh, kid had cancer, I mean, and now yeah, he's yeah, playing. Yeah. I mean, this kid, this kid was straight out of chemotherapy. Yes. And he's, I mean, I think he had like 250 yards rushing, like three games after just be having cancer. I mean, there's not really a story comparable to that. No, it, in, it's in remarkable. College football remarkable. In the NFL. So you talk about tough. I mean, he's obviously tough, but he's also, I mean, he's not one of these. I mean, Philip Lindsay's an underdog. He's he's small and. You know, he's a, he's an undrafted guy from a nondescript school, whereas like James Conner was like a straight up All American. Like James Conner is a prototype NFL running back. I love James Conner. I think he's going to be good again. But um, you know, I think the other key addition for the Steelers could be Dante Moncrief because he mm. gives them an element of speed to match Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, I mean, Moncrief is really fast, and Juju Smith-Schuster might be the fastest receiver in the league, one of at least. So now you have two of the fastest guys in the league. And they already had that with Antonio Brown, but now they don't lose at least a speed element. Dante Moncrief's not going to produce like Antonio Brown. But my number one factor for the Steelers is the exact same factor I have for the Packers. These are two franchises that were the model franchises in the NFL. They were, without a doubt, the most stable, least dysfunctional franchises. Then they both became among, if not the most dysfunctional I mean, franchises. Isn't it interesting, the Steelers, the Packers, the Giants? The Giants, right. I mean, Th- these, those are the three those pillars. Are the pictures of stability 100%. for years and years and years. Hundred percent. Now, hundred no. percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Giants have have gone through it because owner, of ownership dying, mm-hmm. and the Steelers. You know, I, I just think that. I mean, part of it, I think, is just a microcosm of society, and the fact that it doesn't matter how strong your culture is. Sometimes you can't avoid prima donnas, but I love Antonio Brown. I say on the table for Antonio Brown all the time. That said, it was over for him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was over for him. I just wonder, just like I always tell you with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, I criticized him so hard last year for all his despondent, bad body language on the sidelines and all that. But now that it's all, some of this other stuff has come to light, 
Now I wonder if Aaron Rodgers was really just doing all of that. He was really just throwing a temper tantrum because he really just hated Mike McCarthy that much. And I think it's a real possibility. I really think that they reached a point where the marriage was so dysfunctional that it was becoming toxic for every other person around them. And Mike Tomlin, I love. I think he's one of the great coaches in the NFL. He's never had a losing record in his entire tenure with the, with the Steelers. I think that his demeanor and the way he is, I, I think he's the, I think if you were to meld X's and O's and just persona, he's the ultimate mix of those. I mean, Belichick's got all the X's and O's and he's the greatest GM, but he's a weirdo, right? And there's a lot of guys like that. And there's also guys that are excellent. You know, I mean, who's your boy from, from Indianapolis? Frank Reich. He's, he's a great locker room guy. He's an impassioned coach. Bruce Arians, great personality. And not to say those guys are bad X's and O's, but I think Mike Tomlin's the perfect mix of those two factors. But I just wonder if there's no Le'Veon Bell drama for the first time in three years. There's no Antonio Brown drama. When you have those two guys, their drama is almost bigger than the entire culture of the team because in a perfect world, you would say, nothing's bigger than the culture of our team. We're not going to play you. You have to play Antonio Brown. It doesn't matter what Antonio Brown does. No matter how he acts, you totally. have to play him. Yes. So now you don't have this guy disrupting what you want your football, the makeup of your football team to be around. So I, expect, I think they could take a jump on offense, even though they lost the best receiver in the NFL. And you look on defense, I thought that the Ryan Shazier injury was one of the most impactful injuries, both from a psychological perspective, but also just from a team dynamic, because he was the heart and soul of their defense. And they had a really hard time replacing him but i do think that and, they and I, I wonder if Le'Veon bell and antonio brown aren't still just doing their thing if ryan chazier has is there such you know a good I mean? point man it's such yeah. a good point but then you know we talked about some of the uh the players on the broncos that are guys that have talent they haven't yet proved it we talked about that yesterday well the, the steelers have drafted some in my mind really really intriguing guys the last couple years defensively Devin i think bush. Devin bush yeah. is is talent wise being big, fast, and strong, I mean, there's no one like him, really, besides the other kid that went, got dra- the kid from LSU that got drafted by the Bucks. I mean, those two guys had two of the best combines in the history of the combine. I mean, for linebackers, they were out of this world. Yeah. Good. But then you look at Terrell Edmonds, the kid out of Virginia Tech, whose twin brother plays for the Bills. I mean, that guy is a freak. He's a savage. And so in, going into his second year, what sort of production can he have, too? And then I think that Cameron Hayward is one of the most underrated players in the entire league. Mm. I think that he is, you know, if J.J. Watt's healthy, he's the best. He's the best three, four, five tech. The best three, four strong end. Cameron Hayward's the best besides J.J. Watt. He's he's unbelievably good. So you know, I don't know. I was kind of up and down on the Steelers, but I, I I've been really thinking about them in the scope of the NFL, and I think the fact that they rid themselves of a lot of their drama, just that alone could help them be one or two or three wins better. And if that's the case, they're in the playoffs. It'll it'll be interesting too because the conversation has always been. Is it going to be Pittsburgh or is it going to be Baltimore in the AFC North? And now with everybody, not everybody's picking Cleveland to win, but Cleveland is without question the the the, the sweetheart and the team that everybody's focusing on and that has a lot of expectations on them. And, and Pittsburgh sort of had the arrow pointing the other direction. But I'm with you. I think the Pittsburgh that the, the arrow is pointing kind of back up a little bit for this Steelers team. Get some new blood in there to to do it. And you still have Ben Roethlisberger, who we barely even touch on, but he just stands back there and throws the football where it needs to be. Game in and game out. And, you know, you like him, dislike him, whatever. But the fact that he is from a football standpoint, that's what he does. And what I think is an improving defense. I mean, it was so odd to look at Pittsburgh 
try to become an outscore you team instead of, you know, a, a, a hard-nosed defensive unit. Uh, it, was, it was sort of bizarre, but they, you know, anytime you have an outstanding offensive line, which they have, I think you're going to have a chance, and they certainly have enough talent around to, uh, you know, to, to, to win their division, I mean, without question. And so that's, a, that's an open possibility. I think this is going to be, I think the AFC North is going to be one of the most intriguing divisions, certainly intriguing, one of the most competitive divisions, because yeah. I, still got, I still love Baltimore at a lot of levels, sure. and I can see Baltimore finishing third easily in this division. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be – those divisional matchups are going to be absolutely paramount to, to, to how the result goes here because I think these teams are going to go pretty – I think they're going to be very even. I think they're going to all win 65% of their non-conference games – or their non-division games, excuse me. And so now what happens when you play each other and, you know, road victories in division are going to tell the story – of who comes out of the AFC North and, and punches their ticket in the postseason. This is such a telling stat in terms of the evolution of the game and the relevancy or lack thereof of passing yards. Ben Roethlisberger threw for the seventh most yards in the history of the NFL last year in a single season. 5,129 was the total. Mm. Only Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees have ever thrown for more, ever. History of the league. It's only 11 5,000-yard passing seasons ever, and he had one of them at 36 years old. First team that missed the playoffs. Do you want to hear another stat that's going to blow your mind, Coulter? You ready for this? I can't wait. Who holds the all-time record for yards per carry in a season uh, given that they had 200 rushes or more? Adrian Peterson. No. Gail Sayers. No. O.J. Simpson. Still no. Eric Dickerson. You're never going to get it. Walter Payton. No. Philip Lindsay. No. Who? You're closer. Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers, 2018. I'm never going to get no one. 5.5 yards per carry. Boys and girls, hour number one in the books. Hour number two, straight ahead. Top of the hour. We got Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizzlies. He's the subject of our ESPN roundtable. We'll bring that to you right after this. It's 2 Telling the Wannas from Paradise Falls. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 